Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. morning. Sorry about that. I was trying to get a picture up of when I was 24, and I was at part of John Wimber's church. And uh, uh, now, first of all, I do this. Why don't you want to explain that? Okay, so um, Tim has the thing. So you'll hear it in a minute. I don't know how to explain it. You will hear it where he, he groans. Now, some of you, you're going to be like, this is weird. And I'm going to, we, we're happy to say, yes, it's weird. Yeah. That's okay. But um, just quickly, the end of Romans, towards the end of Romans 8, it says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, know, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows uh, the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of of God. So what you're going to hear this morning is we're going to talk. Tim will, you'll, some of these groans will happen. Some of them are quite loud. Fine. I've seen this in people before. It is fine. It's just uncomfortable, particularly if you're like me, you were brought up in England, right, where we just, we don't do anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. But the reality is when the Spirit of God is upon us, if all we expect is to look the same, then we've done something wrong. Anyway, I'll let you carry on. So uh, I received this thing. It's called intercession. Okay, so it's out of Romans eight, and uh, so it is what uh, Pastor just said. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to organize a picture here of when I was twenty-four. So I came across the pond, right, <clears throat> in nineteen eighty-one with John Wimber. And he had a small team of about 20 kids. I was one of those kids. So it was from the age of 17 to 24, th- these kids. We paid our own way, and we came just to be a blessing to the Church of England. There had been a prophecy over John Wimber that said, <clears throat> when you come to England and minister, the Holy Spirit will fall out and go across the world <clears throat> with signs and wonders. <clears throat> so I was a kid that had just been saved, and uh, so... I was new to the church, and uh, they saw the Lord on me, like I see the Lord on many of you here today, if not all of you. <clears throat> so they invited me to go, right? I had no qualifications. They just liked me, and they could see that I had the Spirit of the Lord on me. <clears throat> so we went, a team of 20. We landed in the city of Chorley Wood. <clears throat> Is that how you say it? Chorley Wood. Chorley Wood. <clears throat> Okay, so I speak both English and American. I kind of go flow back and forth, and sometimes it comes out wrong, so forgive me. <clears throat> so, um, anyways, we got to Chorley Wood. Uh, it was Bishop David Pitches, uh, who is the father of Debbie Wright, uh, who, who's overseer of the, the vineyards here. And so, <clears throat> we were just invited in. We were just a bunch of young people, but John always used a team. He didn't do it by himself. And thus, we all get to play, right? So John would never be the superstar. He would pass it off. 
So John interceded kind of like this, but he didn't have the noise. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so that groans, I, this is what I'd like to tell you. It's much better that the Holy Spirit is praying for you than me, right? Because he knows how to pray. I don't, okay? So, I mean, you know what I mean? My, my prayers will drip off my mouth. But the Holy Spirit, he knows you guys, right? And that's what he's saying. He wants to groan and intercede, right? And he knows the things to pray to the Father. <clears throat> it's pretty nice when you have that, you know, that close of relationship. Him to the Father, right? <clears throat> so I'm just like you. I'm the three stooges, right? I don't know if you know the three stooges, but, you know, that's what I think we all are, right? We just, we just go along. We say, okay, I'll go, right? And if we'll go, even if we make mistakes, he'll bless that, right? So we don't have to be a superstar. You just have to get out there. And John used to say, our faith is spelled R-I-S-K, you know, risk, right? Take a risk. Uh, another guy in the last national conference that I was at, and my wife was there, and my son, we were another team that came of about 20, and they asked for people who had walked with John to come because they realized a lot of people never met John. <clears throat> Have any of you guys met John? Remember? Okay. So John, you know, he was the one that he was a member of the Righteous Brothers, which was a band in the U.S., and uh, he was the producer, and he was also the sax player. And John knew how to play a lot of instruments because he went to a conservatory, so he was a music guy, right? and sang beautiful songs. And a lot of the songs, actually, when he, I'll give you the story. He um, was at a Bible study, and uh, they were doing the Pearl of Great Price. You guys know that? Okay. And so they're saying in the, in the, the Pearl of Great Price is about a merchant, and he's a, he knows everything about pearls, everything, right? And that's his life, you know? And so he finds, he, he happens upon a pearl, and he goes, oh my gosh. I have to have, that's the best pearl I've ever seen in my entire life, right? So he has to go back, sell everything he has, and comes and buys this land where the pearl is. <clears throat> so John's in this Bible study, five people, right? Just a little Bible study. And the teacher's teaching this, this parable. And he says, you know, just finished like that. And John raises his hand, and he says, yes, John. And he goes, would God require a man to give away the only thing he knew how to do, right? And now... The Bible study teacher, very wise, said, I don't know, John. What do you think? Right? So he, wouldn't, he gave it back to John. Right? And so John felt like the Lord was telling him to give up all his rights to the music and so he could just follow Jesus. <clears throat> now, they were about to open for the Beatles, right? the Righteous Brothers. If you don't know who they were, uh, like in the last Top Gun, uh, the first Top Gun and the second, uh, if you listen to the music of the jukebox, they put the quarter in, and I can't sing, but it was, you've got that love and feeling. So that was the song, right? Oh. And so, so they were quite famous, and they're about to be more famous because they were going to open for the Beatles. Isn't that an uh, American band? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, cheeky. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> yeah. So anyways, John gave all that up. And uh, he had to go to work, and God says, John, I want you to go to work now, and I want you to learn how to set the alarm, right? Because he was a musician. He never had to set an alarm because they didn't start playing until the afternoon, right? So John had to go back to work because he had four kids, right? And so he um, went to work for a meat company, and he had to clean the barrels out, 
right? So that was his job. So he's got his head inside the barrel, you know, like here's the barrel, and he's down there cleaning it all out. And a car pulls up, and it's the guy who is over the music piece, and it's, the guy's name is Phil Spector. He's a very famous person. <clears throat> and so John heard his voice and knew exactly who he was, and the guy says, can you tell me where John Wimber's office is? So he thought, John only quit the music business. He must have some important job, right? <clears throat> but he did not. He was working minimum wage, so he pulls his head out of the barrel. He's got oil on his face. And the guy looks at him and says, John, what are you doing? And John just looks at him and says, Jesus told me to do this. <clears throat> and the guy said, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus, right? <clears throat> but years later, as I had come into the vineyard, and I'd open up the newspaper, and the, the Righteous Brothers were playing, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, look what he gave up. But then the Lord kind of showed me, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this is exact, but you know, music came out of the vineyard in the very early days. It went around the world. So the songs that would come out, and it was almost like God says, okay, John, you gave me that. I'll give you this. <clears throat> so it's a blessing. It's a blessing, right? And so, so then, and also, now, if you look at the scoreboard, you know, here's the Righteous Brothers making money, and then, oh, here's John Wimber, that guy, yeah, uh, he's a fool for Christ. Oh, yeah, he's got 2,500 churches around the world. Oh. When we were at the leadership conference, uh, we had been asked to come and pray because we had just walked with John. I was at the church for 20 years. <clears throat> And uh, I was there in the 1979, it started in 1977, and I was there too uh, when John passed. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time to be under John and Carol Wimber. <clears throat> they're, they're very beautiful and pure-hearted people. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> the day that week, weeks leading up to John dying, uh, he had the whole vineyard movement, all the pastors, and... Uh, so there's John on the left. Now, John would never dress in a suit, but because we we're at the Anglican church, right? So the night before, we wore jeans, right? And we kind of made a ruckus. And then this day, John said, well, okay, we're going into, you know, the high Anglican church, Pitches church. So we got to dress proper, okay? <clears throat> so he has a suit on, probably the only suit he ever wore. And then my friend next to him with the big mustache, they called him Wolf, okay? So he became the national leader for uh, <clears throat> the youth. And so he was a, a national youth ministry leader. So when John would do the big conferences, then Glenn, my friend here, would do the youth, and I would help him. And uh, then our other friend on the bottom there, I'm on the one on the right, look like a beetle. <clears throat> and then my friend down here, uh, he is Bruce Bettner, and he was a runner. And so, you know, he still runs today. Like, if I meet him, he might go run and then come back and, you know, have some coffee, and then he goes, runs, 30 minutes, comes back. <clears throat> so um, I can just pick it up from here. I don't know exactly where I was. But we all um, came over in 1981. He took a trip, and there was a prophecy that said, when you come, John, big things will happen. So I knew nothing about it. I was just a kid. You know, I'm 24. i just been in the church maybe a year. And so we got to go, and we got to play. And I had no idea about what was about to happen. So on the first night, we had jeans on, and, uh, you know, just everybody dressed normal, not like this. And uh, so we went to David Pitch's church, had dinner. I was doing washing the dishes, and then we went into the room right before we were going to minister to everybody. And there's a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, 
And Lonnie Frisbee is a, a very well-known kind of prophetic figure that helped with Calvary Chapel and with the vineyard. And I'll tell you, I'll back up to that in a minute. <clears throat> so we're there in Chorleywood, and, and Lonnie says, before we go minister, God wants to minister to us, right? And the Holy Spirit hit me like a million miles an hour, right? <clears throat> and I just started falling apart, right? And, but he was taking all my wounds and all my years of pain, right? Because we all have those, right? Oh, we all have years of wounds and years of pain because, you know, that's called trauma, right? But that's what happens in life, right? It's not as easy. I mean, you know, I know ever once in a while somebody has great parents and they protect you, and that's, but, but that's not the norm, right? The norm usually is we receive some stuff, right, along the way. So God and his majesty and his pleasure and his favor was trying to rip all that out of me in one shot, right? But I was so embarrassed, I got up and walked out, right? Because it was just too much. I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna erupt the whole meeting, right? And so I walked away. I should never have done that. So if the Lord ever comes on you, just stay there. And it doesn't make any difference how bad it looks, okay? So right before John got saved, he saw this guy wearing a sandwich. Uh, uh, it's like a wooden thing in the front and a wooden thing on the back. And on the front it said, <clears throat> Do you know what it says? Yeah, sandwich board. Yes, thank you. So a sandwich board. And then on the front it said, I'm a fool for Christ. And on the back it said, whose fool are you? <clears throat> so when John got saved, at first he was put off by that when he was not a Christian. But when he got saved, that flashed before his brain and said, God said to him, John, I want you to be a fool for me. Right? So... I walked out of it because it was too much, and I thought I was going to disrupt. But don't, if God ever comes on you heavy, just let him have his way. Be a fool for Christ, because the end result of that, you'll be free, and he'll be pouring all sorts of his blessings in you. So anyways, um, then we started the, the group. Uh, John had the thing started. He grabbed me and had me change the, in the old days, you had this thing, you had the little plastic thing, and you would turn, and that would be the words of the worship, right? And so, you know, that was how old this was. And, uh, but I think he, he called on me to do that because he saw the Spirit of God on me. And he was, uh, <clears throat> the next morning, I um, had breakfast, and uh, it was just John and Carol, and I was in the restaurant because we were all as a team, but I got up early. And so they said, just come over here and sit with us, right? And then John said, you know, last night I really saw the Holy Spirit on you, right? So the presence of the Lord was there. Now let me tell you what happened that night. So here's that night, and they released us to minister. And uh, so, you know, and we're just like the three, two, three stooges, right? But there's a, a woman in a wheelchair right here, and her husband's standing behind, right? A friend of mine, uh, her name's Stephanie, uh, at the time Wimber, but now Rube. So it was John's daughter. She was 17, and she, the Lord started coming on her. Now, I'm faking it, right? But she was under the spirit, and her hand was shaking, quaking, right? And... Um, then John walks up, and he starts to pray, right? Actually, she was here, and he came over here, and he was praying. <clears throat> and then this man right here behind says, honey, it's time to get up. <clears throat> and she gets up, and she's seen walking in the commons for the next eight years. <clears throat> so when she's walking in the commons the next day, the other pastor, not the pastor of this church, but from across the, the way, comes over and says, you've ruined me to this pastor, and he says, why? And he goes, because there's signs and wonders happening in your church, and nothing's happening in mine, so everybody's gonna go to your church. And then the Holy Spirit just fell on that pastor, because 
Why? We all get to play. It's not for any superstar, right? This was the beginning of an explosion across the world. <clears throat> that was 1981. Today, me being here so many years later, 43 years, I see the Holy Spirit almost on everybody, wherever I go. He saturated this country oh, with the Spirit, and he's ready to do a great harvest. <clears throat> and he's asking if us, he's wanting us, he says this word. He says, I have need of all of you <clears throat> because the harvest is so big. And I would not be surprised if there'd be a great awakening upon your country. <clears throat> a great awakening <clears throat> where people are sneezed into the kingdom, where our shadows walk by and people come in. <clears throat> so this is, I think, where we're on the verge. <clears throat> and so everywhere I go in the byways and the highways, if I'm on the tube, I'll see somebody and I know they're not. They very much look like they're in another religion, but I see the dripping of the Holy Spirit on them. So, ah, uh, just much like you, Holy Spirit's resting on you. <clears throat> and I can see that. <clears throat> if you guys look closely, you can see the Spirit of the Lord on somebody. <clears throat> so, Lord, I pray that you give them all eyes to see your harvest, Lord, <clears throat> so that we can be faithful to what you're doing, Lord. And that we would not let any fruit remain on the trees, Lord, that we would be harvesters, Lord, every one of you. <clears throat> So there was one night that John uh, was woken by the Lord, and uh, <clears throat> this was, he was all alone in a hotel. He used to do church growth for Fuller Seminary. And so he was woken up, <clears throat> and the Lord says to him, John, I've seen your ministry. And he goes, like this? And he goes, so-so. And he says, would you like to see mine? <clears throat> so what do you think John said? <clears throat> Yes, right. And John carried the Lord's ministry. But I tell you today, the offer is available to each and every one of you. <clears throat> he's seen our ministry, and he says, so, so. But he says to us an invitation, do you want to see mine? <clears throat> and if you want to see his, all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. And he's going to give you his ministry. Because, see, we could pray for boldness, right? And we can say, oh, let the boldness of Elijah, which I would pray, right? Let it come, let it come. And let the double portion of Elisha, right? Yeah, you know, and I might even get like triple, okay? But really the best prayer is to say, let the boldness of Jesus come, yeah. right? Because Jesus gave all that away anyways. So it's just simple to go to the source. Oh! <clears throat> and Lord, let your boldness be upon this church, Lord. Let your boldness, Lord, come so that we may proclaim the gospel, Lord, oh! mm! without fear, Lord, that we would be propelled into the highways and the byways, Lord, and that your spirit would come, Lord, and bring in the sheaves, Lord. We'd be bringing in the sheaves. We would be those that would bring in all the ones that are just waiting for us, mm! waiting for us. Mm! Oh! Mm! Mm! Back to the story. We're in England. That happened. And then another young man, he said to his grandma, he said, Grandma, there's a special thing going on in our church today where there's Americans there, and I think you'd want to come. So uh, the grandma came, and she had bursitis in her elbow. And uh, <clears throat> so they made a call and said, you know, come up to the communion table. So she went up to the communion table, and people were praying. And so they prayed for her bursitis, but guess what happened? <clears throat> She had a blind eye, and it opened. 
She didn't have faith to ask the Lord for that. But I want to tell you something. If you go back to Samuel, <clears throat> Solomon, sorry, Solomon, and the Lord came to him and said, Solomon, you are a ruler of my people, right? He was a king. And he says, what do you want? Do you want riches? Do you want <clears throat> uh, fame? Or do you want wisdom, right? So what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. And so then he had a download, and then there's two women came, right? You know, you know the story, right? And the two women came, and one child had died, and there was still one child alive, and the women were bickering over whose child it really was. And so Solomon says, with wisdom, cut the baby in half. And the people marveled because they knew that this woman who really was the mother said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. She doesn't bother me if you want to stay. She's fine. So, but then what did the Lord do? He gave him fame and he gave him riches. Because you know why? Because he's generous. He's a, like a big old granddaddy, a grandpa, whatever you want to call him. Grandma, right? He has this heart. And if you are the grandkids, right? And you are the grandma, you know, or the grandfather, you know that you want to spoil, you want to give away, right? You want to just like, if they ask for a cookie, you know, no, no, have three, right? Right? I mean, and that's what Jesus did right there, right? Oh, he did that, right? To Solomon. He was this kid. And he said, what do you want? And he said, okay, I don't want those things. I'll just take, I'll take what I should take. And that's wisdom, right? Because I want to rule your people, right? Out of your wisdom. And the Lord just looked at him and said, bless you, brother. Bless you, son. And he just said, now let me give you what I want to give you. <clears throat> so there'll be a moment here today where I ask you guys to ask the Lord ah, for the things you want. All right. Now think about the banqueting table. The banqueting table is going from, say, the wall over there to the wall over there. And it's full. It's wide. Okay. And it's full of goodies. Right. It's full of all the English kind of puddings. Right. <clears throat> that I enjoy, which I shouldn't be eating. It's full of, you know, roast beef. It's full of, you know, roast chicken. It's full of, you know, all the things you can imagine. It's just full, right? Now, those represent the things of heaven that he wants to give to you, right? And he, what he's saying is that my table is spread out now. It's all ready. Now, come, church, and take, partake, right? But you got to partake like a grandchild, right? No, no bars, right? You just need to come up and, ah, uh, and he just wants you to be, oh, right, hungry, hungry because you know why because when he's finished feeding us we have to go out and feed them right we have to feed the people right because that's our job <clears throat> so that grandma got healed right and then we went up to york where david watson's church was and david watson was like a uh, billy graham of, a, of england right i mean i think some of you know him right <clears throat> so as we came in um the um, same thing happens, right? The explosion of God, signs and wonders. And so when we're leaving, David has to write a report to the Anglican church because visitors were in town, so it's very proper, right? So he has to write it. So he writes, <clears throat> the lame walked, the blind saw, <clears throat> and demons were cast out. <clears throat> so there was a little girl, probably about 18, 17, and she was a street gal, and uh, we started hanging around with her, the, the, the team. And uh, so they brought her, 
And the Holy Spirit just came and started just divinely setting her free. She had a lot of things that had happened in her life. And so the Lord was just setting them free, setting her free, setting her free. So at the end, she was completely free and so sweet, right? Because when the Lord sets us free, you know, we're free indeed, right? And now she's hanging out with us, right? Because that's the way it is, right? And so, you know, I'm sure she got part of the same stuff we're carrying, right? And that's the thing, Lord. I'm going to give you anything I have to all of you, right? Because there's no holding on to it now, right? So if we try to grab it, it doesn't go very far. But if we open our hand, right, it goes very far because everybody can take it, right? So it's no, everybody gets to play here. Everybody. <clears throat> this is not for anybody but for you. <clears throat> um, go ahead. This is a good interview. Oh, yeah, it's good. This is my favorite kind of interview. I don't really have to say anything. Um, <laughs> I can go back to London for anything I want. But... I was going to say, so in this country, some of you may have seen there's a film coming to this country called Jesus Revolution. Um, uh, so in the, in the U.S., just potted history that you might fill in as we go, but there was a movement of God amongst the hippie movement in California. Um, and in lots of ways, this is a, a part of the vineyard's heritage. And other movements in this country as well would probably say that too. Um, um, and one of the guys that kind of came up through that was a guy called Lonnie Frisbee, who's actually probably not a name that's familiar to a lot of us in this country. Um, but by all the accounts that I've read, was I would describe him, it sounds like a wild man of the Holy Spirit. Of, mm. 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 Um, oh! mm. Mm. So the first night we were in ah, England with that trip, Lonnie stands up and he says a couple things. They're both worth repeating. So one of the things he says, because he's a prophet, right? He's a prophet in the office of a prophet, right? <clears throat> so he says, <clears throat> I'll say it first and I'll say it the way he said it. He said, England, oh England, how long have I waited for thee? <clears throat> that was coming from the Lord. Then he, but he really said it this way. England, oh England, how long have I waited for thee? <clears throat> so he was inviting the whole nation. <clears throat> the father was, right? Through this guy. But the father was speaking. And it's Father's Day, right? The father loves us, right? And this is a great day for this message, right? Because he loves us. <clears throat> the father. The Father's heart is just to bless and to give away everything he has to make sure that his children, right, get it all, right? <clears throat> a good father blesses his children. <clears throat> the other thing Lonnie did was, somebody helped me with this. Maybe one of you might know. There was a, some sort of a <clears throat> thing you used to hunt with back in the day, and there was like a, a ball here, a ball here, and a ball here. And you swing it like this, and you throw it at the animal's legs, and it tangles them up. I think it's called like a bolo. Does that make sense? Okay. And so he takes this, and he goes, and he swings it. <clears throat> he throws it at his kids in the back. Oh! And the Holy Spirit apprehends two guys, and they just, boom, fall to the ground. Now, one of those two lads were, he was a direct descendant of George Fox, Okay. Now, George Fox had started the Quakers. John and Carol had come out of the Quakers. And when they started doing signs and wonders in the Quakers, 
They were uncomfortable with them. And they said, okay, we want you to go. And they said, the only way we're going to go, <clears throat> otherwise we're going to camp out right here on your doorstep, is that you give us your blessing. <clears throat> and so they, they you know, kindly gave them their blessing. But that's what's on us as a movement. We're carrying the Quaker blessing. And that's why we quake. Oh! That's why we quake, right? That's why John's daughter was quaking when she was praying, right? There's a, a special blessing on us, right? And, you know, if we hear those songs, it's called The Blessing, right? You guys know that song? And, it's, and what is it saying? It's for a thousand generations is coming down, right? So it goes all the way back. The blessing from the Quakers is, it's upon you, right? It's upon you, right? And I know that the Quaker church here is different than in the States. I, I know that because people have taught me that. But I'm just saying when it was there, it was the quaking church, right? They quaked under the spirit of the Lord. You know, and so that's upon us. <clears throat> so um, back up. Before we went on that trip, um, Lonnie, on Mother's Day, today's Father's Day, but on Mother's Day, 1981, uh, he preached. And John never gave up the pulpit, all right, John Wimber. And so the Lord spoke to John and said, I want you to let that young man preach. And John was a little timid about it. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to wreck my church or what's he going to do? And so Lonnie, he, he, but he wanted to be obedient. John was. He's always obedient. So he said, okay. So the guy gets up there, and he's hippie. You know, he came out of the Jesus movement. He's got long hair. He took LSD before, before he got saved. And uh, he was in communes, right? Uh, you know, community living that wasn't good community living, right? <clears throat> and so what happened to Lonnie was God took him into a canyon one day, and the Lord spoke to him. And showed him a vision and said, Lonnie, you will be baptizing thousands and thousands of young people in the Pacific Ocean. And that's what happened. <clears throat> so under Calvary Chapel, which is a different church system, which we were a part of in the beginning. So we weren't vineyard, we were Calvary Chapel. So Lonnie was a part of Calvary Chapel. And because of the way the Lord used him, he baptized thousands and thousands and thousands into the Pacific Ocean. He was on the cover of Time magazine. <clears throat> so, I mean, you know, you don't take a hippie and put him on the cover of a magazine unless something's going on. <clears throat> so, really, he was the force, the prophetic force behind the Calvary Chapel movement that saved millions of the Jesus people. <clears throat> and then, when he came to our church that Sunday, he went through a bunch of different stories. And at the end, he says, you know what? The Holy Spirit has been grieved. And he's sad. But guess what? He got over it. <clears throat> and then he says, everybody, <clears throat> 25 years and younger, come forward. So all you kids back there, could you come forward, please? All of you guys. <clears throat> and what we're going to do as a church, we're going to bless these children, okay? All these kids. If you all come up. <clears throat> and so what happened was he started to pray, and he says, come, Holy Spirit. Now, John had never heard that prayer in his life. He'd never heard that prayer in his life. And it, when he prayed, come, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit hit the kids so hard, and I was one of them, that all of them were laid out in the Spirit. And uh, one fell on the microphone and started speaking in tongues. And at that time, we were not sure, and the vineyard wasn't sure whether tongues were true or not, right? So some people slammed their Bibles and walked out. Because one young man was holding this, and he fell on it on the microphone, and he started speaking in tongues for 45 minutes. So it's just going blah, 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 right? And uh, I want to ride a Honda. That's how we make fun of it. Ah! Speaking in tongues. 
So it went on and on and on, 45 minutes. And they couldn't get to the kid because all the bodies of the kids were on the floor. And they couldn't get to the box to shut it off because there was too many kids' bodies laying on the floor. <clears throat> now let me tell you <clears throat> what happened. What was the fruit? Because see, it doesn't matter of any of the manifestations unless there's fruit. That summer, we baptized 600 people. Oh! 600. Oh! So our church went from 400 to 1,000. But John said there probably was 1,200 people that came to the kingdom that summer. We just baptized half, right? He said six to 700. I knew because I set up the chairs. And when you set up chairs, you know, with another, a bunch of other people, you know how many people are coming, right? So, I mean, you don't want to set up this many chairs if nobody's coming, right? So we used to set them up just for the gym part. Now, all of a sudden, we had to pull down the bleachers on both sides because it, it couldn't contain it, right? <clears throat> There's a beautiful song, right, that says, um, what happened to us as kids was we were just propelled out into the highways and the byways, right? And we were just <clears throat> preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, right? And people were just getting saved and saved and saved, right? And so there had to be a place for them to come, and that was our church. Oh! And then, you know, then we baptized them. <clears throat> now, I was baptized that summer because I was a new convert. And they put me, I think it was probably John's pool, you know, and that they didn't baptize 600 at once. It was like 20 this weekend, 20 next weekend, 20 next weekend, right? So I was a group of 20, and I'm in the water, and uh, John's baptizing, and uh, the other pastor, Bob Fulton, was baptizing. And I remember coming out, and I thought, oh, my gosh, all that sin sitting in this pool, right? 20 people with all their sins. I mean, I was a sinner. Oh, you know, I knew how to sin well, right? So when I got saved, I got saved, right? <clears throat> but, you know, you carry all that sin, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's all in that water because, you know, it's left behind, right? <clears throat> that night, um, John laid hands on me because I was going to go to go see my parents, and um, he didn't want me to go without covering, so he laid hands on me. And, uh, well, what happened was that night, me and the friend that told me about Jesus, okay, she came to me in a restaurant, and I was a heathen, and she said, uh, no, she never introduced herself. She was glowing. She walked right up to me, and she says, <clears throat> I know Jesus. <clears throat> That's the first thing she said. And she came from John's church. I had no idea. I didn't know who she was. She was an attractive gal, and she was glowing, and I, so that got my attention. And so after she said that, I'm like, okay, I'm not a Christian, and, uh, you know, I'm in trouble if he's real because I'm such a sinner, right? I just was so, you know, such a sinner. Oh! And so mm, that night I got fired. First of all, I saw like Jesus, and I saw him like with a robe, like a white robe, right? And a little blue, right? And he had sandals, right? And he had long hair. And so I'm thinking, wow, you know, well, maybe Jesus is real, 50%, right? Not certain, right? And so anyways, I got fired that night. I went and partied all night because that's what I did. It's, it's day, daytime now, like 5, 6 in the morning. I'm driving home on Pacific Coast Highway in my convertible. And <clears throat> I was saying to myself, okay, does anybody really care? Okay, that was my question. You know, does anybody really care? Because sometimes we don't know if anybody really cares. I don't know if you guys can, can hear that word, right? 
sometimes I just don't know, right? Because my partying friends, they didn't care, right? And I didn't have anybody really that cared, that loved me, right? So I went back to my apartment that night, which was a brand new apartment complex that I was living in. And I said, okay, God, if you're real, I'll give you 24 hours, okay? That's it. And if you're not real, if you're not God, and you can't show me you're real, then I don't want anything to do with this, right? And so I reached up and grabbed an old Bible that a teacher had given to me to try to lead me to the Lord when I was 16, which I had nothing to do with, and, but I still had the Bible. And I read, love is patient, love is kind, love's not arrogant, love's not proud, and love does not seek its own, right? But I was arrogant, I was proud, I sought my own. And I noticed when people did me wrong. Love doesn't notice, okay? <clears throat> and it told me to turn to this page in the Romans, I did. And it says, this is sin. And I went, I did that one, that one, that one. I didn't do that one. I did that one, that one, and that one. I was filling out the boxes, right? Because I had done a lot of sinning. <clears throat> Finally, the last verse said, all man has sinned. And I went, right? Because I was then, okay. And then right then, Jesus was sitting as close as Tom. And he said to me, Tim, <clears throat> come follow me or you'll die. And the reason he says, or you will die, because I was hanging out with the wrong people, and I would have most likely been killed by the police because I was doing all the wrong things. And so he just gave me that little nudge, that warning. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'm in. That took three minutes, right? I remember it was three words that she said to me, I know Jesus. Well, it only took three minutes for me to come into the kingdom. But I had asked God, I said, to, I promised him I would read for 24 hours, or I'd wait 24 hours right, for him to show me. Well, three minutes went by and I'm in. So now I said, okay, God, I got mm, 23 hours and 57 minutes left, right? So I read Acts and I read uh, <clears throat> Romans. And uh, <clears throat> how much time do we have? By one? Okay, so let me just finish the story and we're gonna pray. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I'm sitting there going, okay, God, I gave you 24 hours. So I read all of Acts, all of Romans. And where I live, the winds start to blow in a certain time of year. It's called the Santa Ana winds. They're warm winds that blow in. So my curtains were blowing in. And I'm reading Acts about the winds of the Holy Spirit. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, the winds of the Holy Spirit are here. And I went across the street to get some food, and the door blows open. So I said, oh, my gosh, the Holy Spirit's following me. <sighs> so I go back. Uh, go to bed, wake up the next morning, the doorbell rings, and it's my birthday, okay? And so this girl brings me a birthday present. It was a cake yeah, with the candles, right? And so I took the cake, right? Put your hands out like you have a cake. Yeah, I took the cake, right? And I gave her the Bible I was reading. And I said, go read Romans, okay? Because <clears throat> it's a book about the United States. Now, the reason I told her that was because we're such a heathenistic, heathenistic country, because I just came out of that heathenistic country, right? You know, I was in it. So I gave her the Bible and told her to read Romans, right? So that she would go back and read it and understand what I just learned, right? So then she calls me up in the afternoon. You can... No, they didn't have stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> the old phones, right? She calls me up and she says, will you come over for dinner, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, she just wants to know about Jesus, right? So certainly I'll come, right? Well, I show up and here, you come here, all right, and you come here, and you come here, and you come here, 
and you come here, right? So there's five people that want to know about Jesus. And I'm embarrassed, right? So they're all hungry. They're saying, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. You know, so she's the one that gave me the birthday cake. I'm, I'm playing, right? <clears throat> and then there's two of her friends here, right? And then there's two friends here. Now, one of the girls was a black gal, very attractive, and she was a ballerina, right? So she, I really noticed her, right? Like, oh, gal, wow, she's an attractive gal, and look, she's a ballerina, right? And then another person was a Caucasian. I know you're not Caucasian. Uh, and then another person was, uh, and that was her friend. And then there was a brother and a sister, and they were Asian, okay? But they were all hungry, and they were asking me, can you tell me about Jesus? And I'm saying, I just met him yesterday. I just met him yesterday, right? So I can tell you what I know, but I'm only one page ahead of you, okay? And so, but they were hungry for God. But I was embarrassed, okay? So at the end, I was shy. And I said, okay, guys, I've told you what I know. Now I'm going home and going to sleep. So I went home and went to sleep. You guys can stay there. <clears throat> I went home and went to sleep. I woke up the next morning, and this is a true story. Uh, I was going to college. I remember, this is a new apartment complex. <clears throat> I go down the steps, and this car pulls up, and it's a black girl. And I think it's the girl I met last night, right? She rolls down her window, and I realize it's not. It's about, she's this close. And she says, does Lucifer live here, right? And I went, hmm, I just moved into the apartments, and my name's Milner, and I'm looking in the mailbox, and my, my mind's eye, right? <clears throat> and I'm looking for Lucifer, and I couldn't see it. So I said, no, no, I don't know anybody by that name, right? And then she had the audacity to ask me again. She goes, does Lucifer live here, right? And I'm like, I just, and I'm streetwise, right? You know what streetwise means? <clears throat> it means like I had been on the streets. I knew, I knew what was going on. And I said to her, uh, I told you no. And then she asked me a third time. And when she asked, what she was asking was, does Lucifer live here? Not the apartments. And right then, the sun broke out because it's by the ocean. And the Father in heaven, my Father's Day, the Father in heaven says to me, mm, Tim, when you invited me to come into your heart, the whole cosmos knows. The whole cosmos. Mm. And Lucifer doesn't live here. I live here. Right? So it was a big statement for my life. Mm. Now, the girl starts asking me about acid. And you know, she says, what's my name? And I said, Tim. And Timothy Leary was this big bloke in the U.S. who was peddling acid. And so I never took acid, but I had been tempted. And all of a sudden, I said, this is enough. And I, I'm scared now. I have cold chills. And I have adrenaline. And I just go away. Right? And I call my friend up who said, I know Jesus. And I said, the devil knows where I live. <clears throat> right? And I told her the story. And she said, well, just call the assistant pastor, Bob Fulton. And I did. And he said, eh, that probably won't happen again. So just come on over to the church. So then I was in. Right? So I'm just saying those things because, listen, guys, every one of you listen to this. If you want to lead somebody to the Lord, is it very difficult if you just say, I know <clears throat> Jesus? <clears throat> Not very hard. <clears throat> now, that set everything into action. That took me out of the darkness and brought me <clears throat> into the light. And, right, and then the Lord sovereignly put evangelism on me. Right. And even when these first five kids came, I could not, you know, do anything but tell them what I knew. Right. But that was a sign from the Lord that he would use me in evangelism. Mm. Right. And now, 43 years later, that's mature. Mm. So now what I would like you guys to do 
It's just what we're going to do first, we're going to pray for you guys. So everybody here, just put your hands out, you know, from where you're sitting. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. All right. Now I want you guys to put out your hands like you're receiving a gift. Right. And uh, who, who was telling me about that gift? The Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, come on. Now tell them the story real quick. Here. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I was aware when I was dreaming that uh, I felt um, some presence being placed on the bed, and it reminded me of uh, when I was really young, and uh, when Father Christmas came, my obviously my dad would come in, creeping in, and put something on the bed, and it was really quiet, but I was made aware at night time that something gently was being placed on the bed, and it was the gift, and I was aware that gifting was being placed there. So that's God's heart, right? His heart, you stay up here. So that's God's heart. He wants to make this like Christmas, okay? You guys know Christmas? Yeah? All right. So at Christmas, how many gifts do you want? If you could choose, okay? You want one? Hmm? What? Loads. Say it again. Loads. Loads. All right. Ah! How many would you want? I don't mind. You don't mind? No. It doesn't matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I don't mind either. I don't mind either. I don't mind. <laughs> so, so reality is, okay, I just was in a different vineyard, and I asked a young one, and she said this. She said exactly what you said. She says, I just want tons, right? I just want lots. All right. So this is what I'm saying, and this is what God's saying. If you guys just put your hands out, and he wants to bless you, right? And remember, this is Father's Day, and the Father heart of God wants to come and just pour out gifts upon you, okay? So just put your hands out. Mm. Mm. Now, Lord, we just ask that you would come with fire, Lord, and just start to bless your kids, Lord. Put fire in their hearts, Lord. Put fire in their bellies, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, just fill your children. Do you feel that? you feel the heat? Yeah? What do you feel? Um, I don't know. Don't know really. Yeah, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Thank you. Uh, just be honest, guys. Uh, when I put my hand on your hands, I feel heat. Okay, and heat means that God will use you for healing. Okay, and He'll use you to for signs and wonders and miracles. So you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. Right, and, and you know, and you, it's okay for you to gracefully learn how to do that. Okay, so just start stepping out and putting your hands. When people are sick and they say, hey, I've got this issue. And you just say, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? Right? And then, <clears throat> so <clears throat> John Wimber used to say, go pray for 100 people before you say that God doesn't heal. Because he's saying, if you just pray for one, right, it may not happen. But if you just press in and keep praying, right, then um, <clears throat> you'll see that he does heal. Now, I have a son. He's 16. How old are you guys? Ages real quick. <clears throat> hmm? 
Can I ask you? Yeah. Mm. 16, 13, how many? 13, 11, 15, 14. Mm. So I have a son, he's 16, and he's with me uh, at Holy Brompton <coughs> Trinity and with my wife. And uh, <clears throat> we uh, come across uh, a couple gals, and uh, the gal's like six foot one, and uh, she's got a glow on her face, okay? <clears throat> So we just asked, can we pray? And she said, well, okay. You know, and so we start to pray. And the Holy Spirit hits her so hard. She goes, what is this? What is this? And she starts weeping and crying. And the next thing you know, she's over the, in, on the tarmac, because me and my wife could not hold her up. And she's spread out on the tarmac for an hour and a half, and her whole life changes. And then her girlfriend, when she stood up, her, her countenance was just glowing like, oh, my gosh, the God, it just touched her so heavy. And her girlfriend's standing next to her, and uh, she's trying to figure all this out. And so the, the one girl just says, get out of your head and get into your heart. Ah! And my son, who's about your guy's age, he's 16. That's why I went through and asked. He walks up to the girl that was trying to figure all this out. And he says, you know, they say this saying in the vineyard about, you know, you go pray for 100 people, and then maybe you might see one get healed, right? And he says, but I don't resonate with that. He's just honest like you. He says, I'm a downhill biker. That means I go up to the top of the mountains, take me up to the very top, and he comes down 50 miles an hour, and he's racing through the trees, right? Very dangerous. Ah, he loves it, okay? And um, so um, he says, I don't resonate with it, but listen to me. This is how I resonate with God. He says, if I race 30 races and I just win one, just one, then my whole life will change, right? Because if you're racing, he wants to win, uh, you know, the World Cup. So he's really wanting to win, right? But he's telling this girl, if you just win one race, in other words, if you just pray for one person and you see it happen, right, your life's going to change. Your life's going to change. <clears throat> So, Lord, again, we just ask that your spirit would come. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church. <laughs>